All right, Katie, take us away. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Ridenauer with Leaders Building Leaders here with my partner, Tom Miller. Thank you for having us, Tom. My pleasure. And, you know, we are happy to come every week to, to provide a forum for your questions. And we don't claim to have all the answers, but we know that there will be people on the call who will. And, you know, we can connect you with folks who might have uh, the answers. And also have uh, Rhonda Dillingham with the North Carolina Public Charter School Association. You know, Rhonda, you know, what would you like to say to everybody? Well, hey everybody, uh, coming to you from the headquarters of the North Carolina Association <laughs> for Public Charter Schools, my sunroom. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful day and uh, I just had one thought I wanted to share. I found this today and I love quotations and I found this and it says uh, by Ralph Waldo Emerson, always do what you're afraid to do. Well, right now we are in a time where there is a lot of fear and uh, we have been forced to do things that we probably wouldn't have thought about doing this year. But two things I want to point out. One, don't feed the fear because whatever you feed will manifest itself in your life. And two, fear has the ability to immobilize us. We don't want that to happen. At this time, we need to be as nimble as possible and do everything we can to meet the students' needs. One last thing from JFK, he said, there are risks and costs to a program of action, but there are far less than the long-range risks and costs of comfortable inaction. And we're in that time now, so I encourage everyone to uh, be positive and do everything you can to serve your students and your uh, your staff and I'm here for you. Thanks. No, that's great, Rhonda. I really appreciate that and, and all your leadership that you've done to support charter schools. I was reading about Jacinda Ardern, who's the Prime Minister of New Zealand, and her leadership is being held up internationally as a, a model for how to handle this, this coronavirus. And there, I just wanted to share three key things that she's doing that all leaders should do during crisis. And uh, the first one is one that all leaders do pretty well, which is uh, direction giving. <laughs> we all are pretty good at saying, hey, this is what we need to do. Um, but a lot of leaders stop there, and then they wonder why the directions don't necessarily get followed. So the, the second one is meaning making. You have to help your followers, your teachers, your staff, understand why they should be doing it. And then the third one is empathy. You have, to, you have to connect with your people and understand their point of view. And how um, Ms. Ardern is doing that is she's given clear direction and she's made meaning with a really clear statement, stay home and save lives. That's her, that's her call to action, stay home and save lives. So that's direction giving and it's meaning making. And then she acknowledges that it's gonna be hard. And then every day she gets on Facebook Live and connects with them with updates and just sympathizing with them. So, you know, as the leaders we have on the call, do those three things. Give directions, make meaning, and then empathize. If you do that on a daily basis, you're going to get through this crisis. So, we just got off the call with the Office of Charter Schools, and, you know, they answered a lot of questions. You know, if there are questions that weren't answered as much as you'd like, um, this is a forum to get, you know, to put those out there. Uh, but, Tom, what's next? What else would you like to head into? 
Yeah. So what, what I would love to do is we got almost 50 people on here. So, you know, let us know where, you know, where you're joining us from a, and how, you know, what's maybe a win that you've encountered uh, this week. And um, I dropped in two uh, resources. One is where we've been, you know, archiving all of the calls and all the resources we've been trying to pull together for you. And then I also uh, dropped in, in case you missed it, uh, DPI has a new FAQ sheet. So I dropped that in there so you can keep that in your bookmarks. So what we're going to do, we're going to hear from uh, today, we're going to hear from um, high school principals uh, to hear more about what you know, they're doing uh, to uh, serve students and then how they're starting to plan their, their ceremonies and what they're looking for. So we've got five uh, principals. And then we're going to bring in uh, Lisa Gordon-Stella, as always, to do our legal updates. Uh, Rhonda's got a bunch of updates from the legislative and enrollment side. Acadian North Star is going to talk to us about finance and student information, state emergency leave. And we've also got Steve Joyner Consulting, who's going to talk a little bit about um, internet uh, safety and some, some, some home options for uh, content filtering. And, and then uh, we're going to bring it to the questions back to the floor. So if you've got a question, go ahead and throw it in the chat box. I would love to get to our uh, high school leaders first. And so I see John Eldridge from Chatham Charter. And so, John, are you ready to go? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your school and what you guys are doing to serve high school? Yeah, thanks for having us. And I don't know that we're probably doing anything that's any different than anyone else, but um, we did want to kind of share out some of the stuff we've been doing. Um, I've got Beth McCullough on here as well, and um, she's really the uh, high school uh, person has been uh, getting our plans ready for what we want to do at commencement. Um, Obviously, we've been told from the state what we're going to do for seniors, so there's really not much of a conversation uh, around that. But <clears throat> we've we've been using a lot of Google Meet opportunities um, because we've been given direction that uh, Zoom sometimes with high school high school uh, students or even younger uh, can be we could get into some issues with privacy and FERPA and stuff like that. So we've tried to keep it inside of Google Meet. Um, and, and I'm going to turn it over to Beth real quick and let her talk to you a little bit about what we've been doing for um, planning on some of our end of year ceremonies that are at risk right now. Beth, you there? Maybe she's having a problem unmuting. Yeah, if you're yes, there. Yeah, thank you. Can you hear me now? Yep. Um, Okay, we've just done several things. I think some of the key things we did in the very beginning were tell our seniors, because of course they think ahead, our commencement was supposed to be Saturday, March 16th. And we told them, hey, give us a couple of weeks to get all of the distance learning things and everyone settled at home and we will promise we'll be back in touch with you. And so last Wednesday night, we met with them, like John said, through a Google Meet. And we had just laid out several options of what this could potentially look like, best case scenario down to worst case scenario. And we went through it with them, had a Google Doc that they just had access to and could comment in on, give us their opinions. This was also including um, the senior honor night that we normally have and the senior cookout and things like that and how we may could incorporate those around even, you know, when, when would you have a prom? But the main commencement options we tossed out to them were one to delay and, you know, hope that there was something that changed where you could gather large groups like we traditionally have. And we, of course, couched everything by saying everything depended on the state orders for the number of people who could gather. But one of the things I think for us is, you know, not really to go past July 15th. 
and planning something because most of our students will go to college and they're going to have college on their mind at that point. And we talked about that with them. And we even talked about, you know, the option of having something on a weekday versus a weekend and how everyone would have to be very flexible. Then we also talked about having a live stream diversion um, that had the seniors administration there and very limited guests. For instance, if the state would allow you to have 50 or 100 or 150 people there. We're also fortunate because we only have 45 students in our graduating class. So we, we're much smaller than a lot of schools would be. And we talked to them about what that might look like in different scenarios. Another round that one of our stage managers happened to mention to me this week in regard to that was, okay, you could have all 45 of your graduates, but maybe only a third of the class would actually go across the stage to graduate in one round of a ceremony. You would run the ceremony as if you know your speakers, the normal stuff you would do in it, and only the family members, whatever number the state would allow to be in there, of that particular, say, third of the class that was going to graduate in that round would be in the audience. And then we would do the same thing again, and maybe the second third of the class would graduate with their families there. And then the third third, or you could do it a half, but you could do a couple of options like that where you could reduce your crowd. But we found in the meeting with our students that the most important thing to them was that they all be together in a graduation or commencement ceremony. And so I think that's staying in the back of our minds is how could we make that happen? Because our worst case scenario is to have each family come in for a mini commencement that's very pared down where you would watch the commencement speakers maybe on a television monitor that have pre-videotaped them and then you would just do a basic ceremony with Dr. E giving them their diploma and, and their immediate family or whoever there. And if you had to live stream for any guests, say grandparents or people who would have come from out of state for any version of this ceremony, we're definitely going to do that. So those are the main options we gave and we're glad to answer any questions if anything's not clear on that or if it gives anybody ideas for other things. We'd love to hear it too because it's helped us to be able to talk to our stakeholders in the process. Yeah, thanks Beth. And I love that. Um, I love those ideas. And, and, and when we have all five of our high school folks chat, then we'll open it up um, uh, to get there. And, and you know, I thought about this yesterday, about 55, I think it was 55 accounted charter schools have high school, but you know, I was a K-8 principal. You all have some sort of graduation ceremonies and you know that those kindergarten parents are chopping at the bit too. So make sure you're listening to make sure you get those ideas uh, as well. So, all right, I wanna go, John, we'll come back to you guys. Uh, Casey Harris from U, uh, URA Charter. Casey, are you open and available to us? I was looking for you on the screen. Yes, I'm here, can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you real well, Casey. Hope you're doing well. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what what you guys are doing? Well, you know, we're kind of in the same boat as, as, as a lot of other people. We're waiting to see what's going to happen after May 15th. But it hasn't delayed uh, the conversations that we've already started having and have been having for several weeks now. Um, you know, today our, our SIT team at our high school is actually meeting to discuss this very topic. But we have – we've talked about um, – well, before we get about what we've talked about, here's what we're doing. Um, we've kept open communication with our seniors and all of our kids and parents um, about as things change and as we're adapting um, to this. But one of the things we started doing uh, two weeks ago was highlighting uh, two seniors per day on our website and through social media. Um, you know, just basically talking about their accomplishments throughout the year, all the things they're involved in, 
uh, sports, clubs, uh, you know, civic responsibilities they have, uh, if they've been awarded scholarships, you know, where they're playing, where they've been accepted, where they're planning to go to school, what they want to do, just really highlighting them uh, is one thing that we've started doing. Uh, we're a couple of weeks in on that and have gotten a lot of positive feedback from that. Um, we've talked about, you know, should the, you know, school year, uh, we not come back. We've talked about doing uh, a drive-in graduation where everybody can decorate their car and get in line and come through and have our leadership up there um, and celebrate people that way. Um, we've talked about uh, some ideas about prom and, and how we could construct all that depending on how the year ends. But um, I think the main thing that we've gotten the most positive feedback about is that people are really happy to see that we're already ha we've already started having these conversations um, because, you know, you know, this is not our decision. This is the decision that was made for us. Um, and nobody wants to see their, their son or daughter cheated out of their senior year, um, you know, because you've worked so long to get there. So, um, you know, that's why we felt like, you know, starting early highlighting these seniors and really doing our best to, to brag on them through our website and social media was something that we could do without a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of effort or a whole lot of work. Um, but it's going to be challenging to, to figure out a way to really celebrate uh the, the graduation and like awards day and, and other things like that, you know, until we hear back from what the state's going to allow us to do. But, you know, we have been having those conversations. So. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Casey. Um, I want to, I want to pivot just a little bit, make sure we hit on these uh, pieces. So I invited uh, Gwen Staunton is, is at um, a Piedmont classical high school. It's one of only three high school only charter schools in North Carolina. Um, and uh, and uh, Gwen wanted to share a little bit, you know, we we're talking about their mission, they're a mission base and they're a classical education school. So, you know, Gwen, how are you guys serving in a low tech uh, capacity was because uh, you're a very uh, textbook driven school. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about that, too. Yeah. So like you said, we are low tech textbook driven, which I think we have used to our advantage at this point. Um, we feel that our equi equitability is is out there. As far as making sure that all of our kids have their textbooks with them, we made drop-offs. We had them pick them up the first week that we were out. So, I don't know. It's been amazing to see that these kids do have those textbooks that we don't have to look for countless um, worksheets to send out. We've been able to give assignments through those textbooks. We also have transitioned onto some platforms that are more technical. I mean, just because we're low tech doesn't mean we don't have the capabilities. We do have Chromebooks for those kids who didn't have anything. They do mostly have phones. We are able to use Google Classroom, Google Meets. Some of our teachers are using Zoom, but I think they're probably transitioning back to Google Meets, Google Hangouts, just because of the problems that Zoom has had. Um, we hit with emails very hard. I don't send out any emails to a student, at least for my ninth graders, that I don't also send out to the parents. So everybody knows what's going on in my classroom. Um, we are on spring break this week. So next week really starts um, some new lessons. New, I say new lessons, old skills. New lessons, old skills. So we're reviewing those skills and it's, it's very easy for me as an English teacher to do old skills because those skills, they never change. It's you know the reading comprehension, that type of thing. So I think having those textbooks, they're gonna be reading stories that we would have read in class. I'm going to make recordings and explain to them some of the things that I want them to get out of that, that story. They have guided reading questions that they're gonna be able to fill out with me. Um, 
So I think that we're doing a really good job as far as using our textbooks, using the platforms, if kids can get on there. If they can't, then they have our email. We have Weebly, we have, which we use all year long. That's our teacher sites. And we also have Remind that most of our teachers are using as well. So low tech, yes, we don't have the capabilities. All of our students, because we are, some are, are financially disadvantaged. Some of them are just, um, we have a, a big population of EC students who just don't know how to use these platforms. We do have other avenues. And quite frankly, I'm kind of proud of the fact that we are textbook driven just because we don't have to worry about it with those kids. We can still reach those kids with what we have. Make sure if you got any questions, you're uh, dropping them in the box. I appreciate you that, uh, Gwen. So hold on, there might be some follow-up. I'm gonna go to Natalie Parker from uh, Piedmont Community Charter. Hi, good afternoon. There you are. Hey, Natalie. And I, I, I heard you guys just had your lottery the other day. So if you could share a little bit about that, too. I'm sure that was a big, a big event that you guys hosted. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, we are ex expanding to a third campus that's a designated high school um, this August. So it was a big momentous thing for us to um, be able to offer more space than we've ever been able. And the community was excited because we are adding two homeroom classes, K-10. And um, so everything went well. We did a virtual live stream. I heard someone mentioning about doing a live stream graduation. We did our lottery live stream. We, our parents in the community are a little bit to us with live stream because we always do our board meetings live stream. But we had um, a great, uh, experience there and um, we're excited about expanding and I think we took in a, an additional more students than normal um, about 150 extra high school students so that's quite an expansion <laughs> Wow hey Natalie can you tell everybody what your role is there at Piedmont and can you talk a little bit about how that has been a benefit during these times Yes, um, so I'm a communications coordinator and I wear a couple of hats. I do the website, I train staff on using their web pages. Piedmont is big on technology and the teachers use their web pages um, as kind of a platform online to um, distribute material. We're heavy with Google Classroom and things like that. So um, I, some people look at me as tech support. Um, I write articles that are sent to the um, newspaper. I love making little videos showcasing what the students are up to. So that's what I do. And um, Casey, I believe, was talking about how the seniors, they've been spotlighting on social media. You know, Rhonda had asked me to touch base a little bit on what we're doing. And so historically, every year for probably five years, we spotlight the top 15 seniors that have the highest GPAs. And, and we generally stick to that because you have to be careful if you're not spotlighting everybody with a big article write up, you're going to have the person whose child is number 20th asking you, well, why didn't you spotlight my child? So you have to be clear on your criteria there. So we do that every year. So our middle school principal this year said, hey, I hate it for these seniors. Um, you know, Casey talked about things they're spotlighting like scholarships and things like that. We did something we've never done before. We decided to share the graduation photo from yearbook for every single one of our 75 seniors 
and do a little shout out. So they, every single one got a digital, even, you know, there are plenty on that list that aren't getting any scholarship, but they're still getting a simple senior shout out. And um, to do that, I just sat down and you guys probably know this, but you can schedule posts on Facebook and it took me about three hours to schedule all 75 of our doing about two a day um, between now and mid-May. So that's one of the things that we're doing that's different than normal, but uh, exciting and it. fun. How long have you been in the role of the communications director? Three years, four years? Uh, six years, yes. It's oh, time flies. Years now. Yeah. So, and then um, can you talk just real short, how, how much has the enrollment grown since you've been in that role? Not that it's all about you, Natalie, but I'm going to say a lot of it's about you. Oh, thank you so much for that. Well, I love telling the story of Piedmont and it's not special to Piedmont. It's special to every single school. Um, even your K-8 schools that don't have seniors and all the high school bells and whistles, because it is easier when you get to high school because they have more programs and things like that. Um, but what we have found is the best way to engage parents and build loyalty and build enrollment is opening the window to excellence of what's happening in your school, period. <laughs> and so um, I'm so happy that we have, um, not all schools have parents who are on Facebook. So we're able to meet our parents where they are on social media. We also have an Instagram channel, but that's really more students. So we have over 800 folks following us on Instagram, but you know, probably only maybe 30% are parents in that. But I guess as we get kindergartners and younger parents, perhaps more parents will be tuned in, but you have to pay attention to your different channels and what demographic. But um, I feel like find out what's successful and do a little spotlight on it. Everyone loves to hear what's happening with the students. And um, even if they're just working on a simple math project in, in second grade, it doesn't have to be fancy. But what we've done is trained our entire staff to um, capture, pause, and take photos or videos and send it to me. Just a great example of it not being about me, but the whole staff. We have a billboard right now, and the key photo on the billboard is one a, a second grade teacher just happened to snap of her students. Awesome. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking about a school that three or four years ago didn't have a wait list in the secondary. And how many applications did you drive through the other day? Um, okay, so we had 1,500 applications K-12. And I'm trying to think. I need to go look at the numbers. I know as it stands, after we accepted everybody, our current wait list to get into ninth grade is about 75 students. Yeah, and used to not have any, right? So. Correct. I mean, just a benefit communication wise. So that went a little bit longer, but we're in a point where we may not go back to school. We may not go into a brick and mortar situation. So the more that you can stay, stay engaged with your community. So Natalie, Natalie is really good at that. So she would be someone, we've got some of her resources and I think she might be happy to share some. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Thanks Natalie. Steve Gay, go ahead from East Wake Academy. I see you're on with us. So, so Steve, you'll be our last high school expert. You know, talk to us about what you guys are doing and what you got planned. Got to unmute yourself, my friend. I love you. There you go. 
just what we're doing. We're Eastwick Academy. We're just east of Raleigh. So we're in the metropolis of Zebulon. You drive by us every time you go to the beach. So wave. Um, we, what we're doing with our, our seniors, we, we were very lucky that when we, when school closed on March 13th, we were actually on our two week break because we're year round schedule. So, uh, our board extended our break by three days. So we went into a, um, some work days. And then last Thursday, we actually did our packet pickup and device rollout. Teachers have been in their first week of remote learning this week. Um, we let our seniors know yesterday about the um, state board's uh, decision about, you know, basically the PC-19. So, you know, we wanted to the reason we kind of delayed it just a little bit, even though they had heard it in all the news was for them to be engaged at least for two days, to see what learning can be like. So that kind of, that's been good and got some good feedback. And we've found out today that a lot of them are still engaged in classes. Now I think that'll wane over time as well. So we're still making a progress. Now what we're doing for high school is we're still trying to do what, what can we do specifically for them? Uh, we have our prom was supposed to be May 2nd. Um, we did a, a survey of our seniors, and they wanted to continue with the prom. And so we've actually rescheduled our prom for June the 20th. And so we're keeping that. And they wanted to, we were kind of wanted to do something at school and kind of do like a big kind of a celebration, but they want still want to have the venue. So we're using our venue in Raleigh. And so we'll do that on the 20th. Our graduation is still on target for June 4th, as long as we do May Mandy Hall in downtown Raleigh as part of the Performing Arts Center. And we would continue with that as long as they're open. Don't believe it'll be open, but we will do something especially for them. So the other things that we're doing, some of the things that Natalie brought up is we spotlighted the first week on, um, we just rolled out a new website. And so we're using our interaction with our website and also Facebook of messages from our teachers to everybody. This week, we're trying to work on getting a message from our seniors, putting things out. We've got, um, since we're K-12 school, we have photos from when they were in kindergarten. We're sharing those out and the seniors are starting to post and we're trying to get in the post where they're going to school and working with them. And the next week we want to do our, um, our essential employees that our families that have work in ER or work at a hospital we want to, um, for them as well. Another thing we did is actually our fourth quarter. I'm a big Alabama football fan. And so Nick Saban talks about the fourth quarter and he talks about, um, you know, as successful they've been, they haven't been as successful as they should have been the past couple of years. So we had actually had a t-shirt made for fourth quarter and we had about commitment and we actually gave that out to all our staff on our rollout last week. So um, those are some little things we've done. We've also purchased, uh, we're going to do yard signs for all our seniors that say congratulations, East Wake Academy class of 2020, because they've had so much stuff robbed from them. So we're looking at other ways to um, do that. Now on the educational side, what are we doing for, for them? Uh, we, since we're K-12, we're really pushing the team effort. So like a kindergarten team, making sure they're doing the same thing and rolling it out. Also in high school, as long as the department's kind of doing the same thing, because parents are all over the place, you know, trying to get this worked out. So we're trying to keep that together and moving well. Uh, we'll see how it goes. It's been four days and we've getting lots of pro, um, positive feedback from what we're getting from parents. I think some are getting overwhelmed and I've actually sent a message out. We're closed Friday and Monday for, um, you know, good Friday and Easter Monday. So we're putting that out to actually our staff. It's got a, a delayed message going out three today, tell them just to stop, turn everything off. We've got to remember our staff 
as much as we do our parents and families, but they have to take a break because they're working harder than they were before, which is hard to, you know, it's hard for everybody to understand that. It's just, it's a different kind of work. Uh, my wife has been doing it for about three weeks. Um, she doesn't work for me. Okay. No nepotism. She works for a different school. And so she's been doing this and been doing Google classroom the entire year, but she just talks about how much more work it's been for her for planning and getting things out than grading. And it's just, we have to remember that. Um, hopefully y'all were in the call with David Stegall and Dr. Emery and those people today, uh, which they've done a fabulous job. I know we sent out to our parents and also to our um, seniors that the decision by the state board is against our core values, but we have to follow what's going on. Um, the other thing is you got to look at your calendar. What we're doing right now is we're putting a Band-Aid on it or, okay, pardon my French, we're putting a bow on a turd. And so what we got to do now is we got to look, we got to start thinking about next, even though we're trying to get through this, we got to think about next year of what this is going to affect us you have to understand your budget is screwed. I mean, cause there's no way the highway fund is $2 billion underfunded already. So you know what's going to happen there. They're going to start pulling money from different places. Even though our teachers have stepped up above and beyond of what everything they're doing, we have to understand that we're going to lose some of our funding for sure where they should be getting a pay raise. It won't happen. So um, there's going to be some extra stressors we have to plan for, but we also need to plan for our kids is how to get them back into school and making that transition back. And how do you evaluate where they are and where do you, you know, it's going to be so important for us to realize you take them where they start to where they can be instead of thinking, Hey, they should be right here. They're not going to be where they were at the end of the year, but hopefully this time they're having with their families, they're going to be more compassionate. Hopefully, families can understand, wow, teachers do a whole lot <laughs> and get an appreciation for that. So I know that Tom was kind of a, a buffet of a bunch of different things. Um, you got to do what's right for your kids and what, what we do here may not be right for what you're doing for your kids and your families. But the big thing is what's right for what's right for you and your, and your, and your school. And that's why we have that flexibility as being a charter school. Yeah, thanks, Steve, for uh, pouring into us like that. And, and um, that was the call. Uh, Katie and I recorded the session. It'll be coming to you guys later about all that. Like contingency plans are really important now. You need to be thinking what could be at its, you know, bleakest six months from now and how do we just, you know, design plan backwards and make sure that it doesn't happen as much as we can to fill our schools. So I want to come back to the high school panel to see if anybody, you know, remembered anything, something they want to share. And I think Katie's got a question that she's going to pose uh, to them. So John, looks like you want to share something. Yeah, Go ahead. I, I wanted to add on to what he was just saying there, that um, <clears throat> knowing that the, the mental health of our uh, kids and in our teeth, you think of those teachers that have three of their own children at home that are trying to navigate through the lessons that they have to do, plus they're answering all their parents' emails and all that stuff. And we know that the it, while we've got a good online Thank you, I feel like our teachers are working hard with that. It's also not ideal. And so one of the things that we're taking a look at, um, because of where we, we start a little bit earlier, I don't know what everybody else's calendars are, but we've already kind of got caught in our mind based on what the state legislator might do with end of grade testing and, and some of the stuff that happens at the end of the year. We, we're actually getting down to how many hours we've already logged. And we're, we're probably going to pull the plug on this thing as soon as the legislators uh, make a a determination about where they stand on integrate testing. So we've already kind of worked that out behind the scenes with our faculty to plan for the next few weeks, knowing that the legislator is going to get together, going to make a decision. 
I can't see them working against DPI and saying, no, we're going to, we're going to, you know, the Fed said it's okay to cut it. The, uh, the state board has said it's okay to stop the testing that the legislature is going to come out and say, no, we're going to test. So I, I'm not anticipating that, but knowing that there's so much stress going into this and trying to make it work, it's just, I, I think it's, um, the right thing to do to be thinking about a way to gracefully end the school year in a fair and equitable way. And then should we find ourselves May 15th, we're um, able to actually get back into doing some group activities. That's when we're going to look at prom. That's when we're going to look at um, how we're going to do our commencement, maybe kindergarten uh, promotion ceremony in the eighth grade. We'll come back and take a look at those things. If there's a way to salvage that, then we're going to try and do that. But the educational academic side of this, is becoming more stressful than it is good at this at this point in time. Yeah, and you know, John, you're out of school. You know, I mean, you know, even though it's rural, it's you know, it, you know, we got a message from Cheryl Turner at Sugar Creek. I don't know if she's on here, but just about you know the lack of access. It's almost fifty percent of our students don't have access, and it's just a constant work to even make that happen. You know, I see Alex. There's lots of school leaders here who lead inner city, you know, you know, urban schools or rural schools that have a high levels of uh, poverty. It, it's just such a challenge. Yeah. And, and a lot of stress on every human being it doesn't matter, you know, where they are, whether they're the adult or the child in the relationship. So lots of extra stuff. So thanks for that, John. So uh, Katie, what was the question that was posed in there? Well, so you know, I love all the ideas that have been out there, the mini graduations, the mini graduations, the the yard signs, the delaying the prom. You know, so I just would love to hear from the high school leaders, you know, what, what was your goal? You know, what's your goal around meeting the needs or anticipating the needs of your seniors? You know, what, what were the drivers? Or, you know, or how did you, you, know, how did you assess uh, what their needs are so you could come up with these solutions and, you know, make sure you're ending the year on a, a good note for them? Yeah. So the floor is open, not only to the high school folks, but anybody who wants to chime in about that. What would success look like? Did you do surveys or, you know, did you, you know, put questions out on social media or, you know, how did you assess what it was that they, what they needed? I'll answer for at East Wake, we have a senior advisor and she's also there gatekeeper she teaches all the seniors their english class so she's the gatekeeper so they have to communicate with her um she has a remind so she sends a lot of things out that's like what we did for our prom all um the survey there went through her also going through her she's been in contact with her um with the kids she also put um she did like a ode to the seniors just kind of it's just it's very hard for her because she's basically been their advisor ever since they were freshmen so that's really hard for them so um, I think that falling back, I think uh, having a strong MTSS has been uh, good for us. Uh, we've been focusing more on the SEL side of it this year. Still not, don't have that figured out at all. But um, from that is really making us focus on that side for our kids. Cause, and we also have staff members whose kids are seniors and you hear from them, you're just like, wow, you know, things you don't think about in your house and how how it is and some of our teachers are saying how depressed their kids are because they're not connected and they do they're missing this you know rite of passage what john put you know kindergarten middle school those things that come up they're just missing those opportunities and we got to figure out a way how can you you know 
how can you um, celebrate those things with them? Mm -hmm. No, I love it. And yeah. you know, to also mention too, that when we saw that <clears throat> this whole thing was getting ready to sometime in January, we were looking at the likelihood that we were going to be told we were going to have to go home. I mean, so we, we started working behind the scenes and kept up a document with all the stuff that we were going to do and all the, all the, the, the folks that were going to um, be impacted by this and thought about how we were going to reach out to them. That's how we knew that we were going to wait to talk to our seniors to get some feedback from them about how they wanted to do graduation. When we sent a survey out about when do they still want to do prom things of that nature. So we were kind of front end loading what we, what we knew was going to be coming. But, and I also want to mention too, I think Steve the, the, was mentioning the beginning of next year. We're already, I think it's important for us to all be thinking about how we're going to start the school year off because knowing that we were out of instruction for a month and a half, two months, the way we go about starting the school year off, there's a lot of review already, but there's going to probably have to be great communication between your first grade and second grade teachers, your fourth grade and fifth grade teachers about where did they really leave off and where do we need to start? So it's not, we're not going to probably jump right into the normal curriculum until we have a chance to kind of go back over and make sure we filled any gaps that may have um, occurred over the, you know, the loss of instructional time. And then of course, summer. Mm -hmm. yeah, what a great point, John. I mean, and this, you know, Katie and I shared this, you know, this morning on our session was this crisis is going to expose a lot of gaps, right? So you can start to really take a look at where your gaps are in terms of your education plan, the alignment, what's happening, because if you don't have those identified, what John just said is going to be really hard. Because if you haven't been doing vertical planning, if you don't have a you know, consistent curriculum, it's going to be a, a challenge. Uh, for your uh, teachers to be able to do that. And then, you know, inboarding students, you know, back in, you know, we're all going to go back to Harry Wong's, you know, first day of school, um, times a thousand here, you know, uh, you know uh, coming up. So great stuff there uh, from John and Steve. Is anyone else from high school? Because I want to be conscious of our other uh, panelists on here and make sure they get an opportunity. Katie, is there anything um, else? Yep, go ahead, Steve. One more thing uh, along the same line is, I think one of the things that's advantaged that we've, we've coined this as Corona ed, um, that is not homeschool. You've heard all those terms and everything, but the key is the relationships you build with your kids and your families. And leading up to this, we've, we've been, we've kind of expressed to our parent, our parents, what our expectations are. So they kind of understand that that's going to be key when we start off school next year is we cannot lose that focus that yes, we're, we may, we may be behind, we may not be behind whatever we need to do, but we still got to spend that time building those relationships because they're coming, you know, they're coming out of, they're coming out of a very stressful time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Natalie and Beth and John and Casey and Gwen and Steve for uh, giving us a little bit of an insight of what's happening at your school. Uh, Natalie shared too, if you don't have a yard sign contact, they used a company that charged about $300 plus shipping for a hundred double-sided signs with wires. So uh, look you know, for those opportunities. Small uh, businesses everywhere are also going through some massive issues. So if you can feed your local economy, do that. On that, on that note, we actually worked with um, our vendor, the people that fill our vending machines. And we're doing the yard sign deal too. And we're going to do caps and their cap and gown. It's, it's a little surprise. They don't know about it yet, but all our seniors, we're going to hit them with those yard signs or cap and gowns. But we also got a nice little snack box um, put together. Cause again, our, our vendors are, they're not, they're not able to do the work they're normally used to doing because folks are out. So 
they were very happy to work with us and putting together a nice little package to go along with that. So when we deliver this yard sign and the caps and gowns, we also have a nice little surprise snack box that's going to come along with it uh, that we're going to deliver to us. It's, um, and they were really happy. They were actually the ones that were generating all the cool ideas about what to put in those things. So, um, uh, that, that was a lot of fun doing that playing with them. And I can't wait till we get out and we're going to drive around in our little mini bus with our, you know, our champ charter Knights logo on it and go out pound it in the yard scream because we have to do the social distance thing and then drive away, but it's going to be, it'll be fun. Awesome. All right. Great job. All right. Well, thank you everybody. Uh, so let's go at uh, Lisa. Are you, are you there with us? Lisa Gordon Stell is going to give us a legal, a legal update, anything that she's learned over the last, you know, week or so that she can share. Lisa? Are you muted on your side? All right. I don't see Lisa with us, Tom. All right. Well, if Lisa's not there, then I'm going to go back to Rhonda. Rhonda's got a couple of updates that she wants to give us. All right. Well, it's the time of year when normally you would be thinking about registration events, community welcomes, onboarding procedures for your income families, and all of that has been affected by this situation. So it's important to think about alternative ways to continue your admissions process and provide informative and uh, inviting pathways for prospective families to enroll in the school. So I have just a few questions as sort of a self-assessment for you. And you can think about these as I go through them. The first question is, how are we serving our current students and families during the school closures? Being able to articulate the ways you're serving your uh, current families is a great way to create positive buzz in the community. And, um, showing how you're advocating on behalf of your students is um, a wonderful way to attract fans. The second question, what events on your calendar need to be completed prior to the end of the school year? So of course you're going to have to consider shifting these kinds of things to online forums or communications and go ahead and create a timeline or a frequency schedule of communications because as we have said so far uh, there's no such thing as over communication at this point we have to over communicate because people are so overloaded right now third question what needs to be done for accepted students and their families in terms of onboarding and preparation for the new school year? So we're talking about how important it is to plan for our current students, but what about those new ones? So think about the information you already have that you provide to family and create uh, an FAQ, uh, communicate with your incoming families over the phone, through email, and even uh, platforms like now. Fourth question, how will we, uh, how do you continue to fulfill the mission throughout the extended break from typical instruction? Your mission is the reason you exist. Your mission is the thing that tracks families and students to your school. So don't be, um, don't forget to highlight how you're continuing to work that mission on behalf of your students. So some other things to think about, continue your face-to-face -face interactions via Zoom and other digital platforms, uh, produce digital admissions packets and brochures, 
what about school tours? Normally we be, get, be, be giving uh, school tours at this time. So, you know, create a virtual tour with uh, an individual or a small group of people, of course, with social distancing in mind and put that through your, your social media, YouTube, whatever. You can even take stock pictures that you already have, because I'm sure you all have a lot of them, and stream them into a video that sort of would give prospective families a sense of what they could expect if they sent their students to your school. For registration and for high schools, have your guidance department hold a digital one-on-one -on -one meeting with returning students uh, to plan scheduling. And for elementary schools, if uh, online registration isn't something you already do, make sure that your forms are downloadable and, from your website and easily sent via email. So those are just some tips I had. And the last thing I'll say is about current student retention. Don't forget to make those phone calls, to make those connections. As Steve was saying earlier, uh, those relationships that you have built and you continue to build will be the things that bring those students back next year. Uh, provide examples of how teachers and staff are continuing to educate and serve your students and do that through social media, newsletters, and emails. So just a few tips from me about enrollment and I have a document that I will share with you um, that I got these ideas from. And the last thing I wanted to mention is, um, you know, the association is, exists for three reasons. And one of them is legislative advocacy. As you know, the House Select Committee on COVID-19 has created an education working group. And I have reached out to the chairs of that working group and Representative Horn, Craig Horn, who is a charter school friend, he's friendly to us, uh, he actually plans to be on this call next week. So if you, and he wants to know what are the issues you're dealing with and uh, what is it that you want to communicate with him. He's also inviting the other co-chairs to be on that call as well. Um, we'll see if they're able to, but it'll be a great opportunity for us to really uh, let them know what we need. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Ron. I love those ideas about, you know, the virtual tour, right? Because you want to paint the families in the picture of being in your building. You know, you want to, you know, you want them to be a part of it. I know the Mountain Community School has some really great uh, rituals that they do at the end of the year or at the start of the year, like a pool party. I think uh, Denise might be on here. Like, how are you going to keep those rituals and stories and ceremonies going through this time? Because that's what you want to do. You want to be constantly painting the picture of your current families and your other families because 100% of your families right now are experiencing virtual homeschool reality. And it's your job to make sure that they know you are the best at it, right? The best of the worst or whatever it is. You are doing it, you're killing it, and you're making people feel really good. I love what John has said and Natalie and Steve and everybody's talked about relations and the education part will come, uh, but really getting into relations. So I love that. There's some really great ideas and thoughts coming in the chat box, Katie, so we need to make sure we bring these in. I'm going to move over to uh, Sarah Crane from Acadia. So Sarah, you let me know uh, when you need the screen shared, but Sarah is going to share some ideas with us, Sarah and her team and Robin and everybody else at Acadia. You got it. 
Thanks, Tom. Uh, this is Sarah. Uh, for my portion, I just kind of wanted to circle back to something that we spoke about last week. Uh, I know we mentioned the grading process for year-long courses and the fact that the state had kind of put the information out there that they would be allowing some sort of GPA points for a year-long course. They just weren't really sure how it would be approached. Um, the information that was released this week is questionable at best, and, and I say that only because when I called, I, I had a call with Dave Machado just before this call started. Our understanding after we listened to the webinar yesterday was that they were going to break a year-long course up into your first semester and your second semester, where your first semester you would be able to award half of the GPA and get a half credit. So if the child received an A in a regular level course, they would receive a 2.0 and a half credit. When you move into the second semester, they would receive a half credit, but they would only receive, or they wouldn't receive any GPA points. Well, the problem with that, that that occurred to me is this works out fine if the child has a B in first semester and then passes second semester, because ultimately they receive one credit for the course, and in the first semester, they would receive a GPA. When you have a child that fails the first semester, and then passes the second semester, in theory, unless you're going back and changing the grade for first semester, they're only going to be awarded a half a credit. So that's the question that I reached out to Dave Machado with, and my hope was that he could clarify that question for me before we had this call. And unfortunately, he could not. Um, so he is doing some research to see what he can find out, and as soon as he shares that information with me, I will follow back up. But what we were told yesterday on the call is that credit would be awarded as a half credit for first semester and a half credit for second semester, and that GPA points would be rewarded for first semester, but not second. And again, that has opened up a, a second level of questions that unfortunately we can't clarify at this point in time. So as soon as I receive some clarification on it, then I'll be happy to follow up with you guys um, and fill you in on what he has to say. Now, if any of the other high school principals walked away from that call with a different understanding than we did. Um, I'm all ears, but our understanding is that is the breakdown. And to me, there's a, an issue if a child has failed first semester. Um, to me, what would make the most sense is to give that child a pass if they work with that child to get them to the point that they would receive credit for that course. But again, you have to then determine if you're going to give them a P for first semester, because right now everything says first semester should be the grade that it is. So there's, there seems to be quite a bit of confusion. So unfortunately, I could not clear up what those questions are. But as soon as Dave gets back in touch with me about how they're going to go forward with that, I'll be happy to share it. That's great, Sarah. And then was there anything else that you wanted to uh, share today? Uh, Amanda has some information that she's going to be sharing on a couple of things. Uh, the only other thing that we've had come in from a student information side is the lotteries, and I believe that somebody else had mentioned earlier that they were streaming the lotteries, which is exactly what we're recommending that people do, uh, just because it keeps it public. Uh, if you're using one of the platforms, School Minute Lotteries, several of those have options that generate numbers so that you can keep from streaming names online, which was a concern for some people, so you could have an identifier that wasn't streaming names, uh, if you happen to be using one of those. But the recommendation that we are giving people is to move forward with their lotteries and to stream them on some platform just so they remain public. Awesome, thank you. Is Amanda ready to share, Sarah? 
I believe so. We're in different locations, but I believe she's on. Okay, well, let's see. Amanda, we'll give you some time here to pop in. Go ahead and see if you're there. And then we're going to go to Lisa Gordon-Stella next. It's a little low. Is that better? Yes. Yep. Okay, great. Um, hello, everyone. Um, well, I've, I've just enjoyed the stories uh, that we've been hearing so much that I'm almost hesitant to go into the finance piece. I'm definitely not as warm and fuzzy <laughs> as uh, hearing about how the school leaders are really um, all they're doing to care for these kids. I mean, it's it's just amazing all the stories that are coming about. Um, <clears throat> what I wanted to touch on today, a uh, couple things under the CARES Act that came about, we had some questions about. Um, and one of the major things created under the CARES Act is the Education Stabilization Fund. And from all the information we've gathered, um, the fund was created to help states maintain fiscal support for K-12 schools. Um, and there are three elements to the education stabilization fund, but I think the one that's going to affect charter schools the most is the elementary and secondary schools fund. And right now, DPI is averaging uh, that they should expect to receive $388.8 for distribution for the state of North Carolina. Now, it's in the early stages, uh, DPI themselves aren't sure how the funds are gonna trickle down to them and how they're gonna proceed at this point. Um, the federal government still hasn't determined which federal agency is going to administer the program. So their DPI is still some ways off from application and uh, funding receipt. Uh, they do anticipate that the states should receive allotments between 75 and 90 days from April 1st, and then they be can begin the process of distributing to schools. Um, one thing we do know is that the math behind the distribution is very similar um, to the way Title I funds are distributed. So Title I is going to play a big part, apparently, in how those funds get awarded to the schools. Um, once DPI receives the funds, the funds must be awarded to schools within one year, and funds will be available for charter schools until September 30th of 2021, and then they have one year after that to spend those funds. Um, DPI will be working to ensure a smooth dispersion of the funds received under the CARES Act. Uh, as far as Acadia North Star, our grant writers uh, at this point said that things have not trickled down to action at the school level yet. Um, we, of course, will be monitoring the situation closely and advise all our clients when, when it's time for them to submit those applications. And uh, that's all I have for now as far as new news. So we know some funds are coming. Uh, we aren't sure yet when those funds will be coming and DPI is working to get their systems in place uh, to get ready to accept applications and eventually disperse those funds. Thanks, Amanda. And I think there was one thing uh, you guys had mentioned about sometimes there's a little bit of confusion um, about how you're coding or what's like, what's, uh, what's, you know, what gets coded which way for funding or what's essential or what's new. Um, I just want to make sure you guys hit all that if anybody's got any confusion about what they can code as new costs sure. versus old costs. 
Great. A lot of the questions that we received about coding expenses, um, basically what expenses should be coded as COVID-19 expenses. And it has to be made clear that COVID-19 expenses are considered any expenses above and beyond normal expenses. Expenses that the schools are only incurring at this point because of the pandemic. So any, any expenses coded as a COVID-19 expense, whether it's just an expense where we're using the eight in the purpose code for DPI purposes, or if schools are using PRC 154 funds to cover those expenses, the expenses must be above and beyond um, regular expenses. And for example, what uh, we were talking about earlier, if you have your custodial services, and typically you have um, custodial services provided to your school twice a week. So on any, any normal week, you have custodians come in, you're, you're cleaning people and they, um, work twice a week but because you have this covid pandemic you're expanding that so now you're having them come in five days a week um two of those days are regular expenses because that's what you would regularly incur and the additional three days would be considered covid expenses because the only reason you're having those extra three days is because of the pandemic uh, so that's just to be clear, you really have to stop and think when you're submitting your accounts payable packs, especially in your marking those COVID expenses, you have to stop and think, is this an expense we would have regularly occurred or are we only paying this because of the pandemic? And those are the expenses you want to code as COVID-19 expenses. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Katie Northstar, for giving us. And we spent a lot of time on that last week. So if you go to the link that has um, all of the archives on it that I posted at the top, you can listen to last week's call. Um, we talked a lot about that. Perfect. Thank you so much. And then so I'm going to go. Lisa Gordon-Stello is ready. She's going to hit on you know some of the key things you need to be thinking about to limit your risk. And then we're going to have Steve Joyner's team uh, talking to us about internet safety and access and equitability and some do's and don'ts in buying. So Lisa, the floor is yours. All right. Um, hey everyone, I hope everyone's doing well, despite the craziness. Um, so I just wanted to bring up a couple things. Um, one, that a question that has come up from a number of schools is that some employees appear to have a misunderstanding of what unemployment is under the new federal law. And I'm sure we've already talked about the CARES Act, but one of the other provisions of the CARES Act is that um, there is expanded and enhanced unemployment, which means unemployment is available for longer periods of time. And there is a four month enhanced unemployment amount, which is a supplement of up to $600 a week um, from the feds in addition to the $350 a week that North Carolina provides. It does not mean that an employee will get that $950 a week because it's still tied to their, the, the wages that they make. So I've had a number of schools whose employees say, well, I, I want you to you know, lay me off because I'm gonna get more money. Well, that's not how the system works um, because it is still tied to income. So that's one thing I wanted to mention. Another thing I wanted to mention is again, <coughs> Um, unemployment is for those who either you don't have work for, cannot telework, or if you have someone that because of COVID um, 
feels potentially unsafe working. Um, there is new guidance from the Department of Labor that may expand unemployment to those individuals. I would definitely consult with your attorney before you lay someone off for that reason. Um, but that is um, potentially a legitimate reason for someone to be getting unemployment. Um, the, other, the other point is to remember that you need to send that um, Families First Act notice regarding emergency paid family and medical leave and emergency paid sick leave. Um, the Department of Labor has made it very clear that every employee should be receiving that by email. And the notice provision was sent out through the association. It is also available on the Department of Labor website. Um, and if you have specific concerns about how to pay for those costs, um, we have sent out information about that. There is a tax credit available, and I am very well aware that Acadia and both Charter Successor um, are on this and know how to um, do all the math to make it as simple as possible. So I, I think that's all I have this week. Um, I'll keep you posted. It's I'm learning every day. <laughs> Never, Thanks, I have not read this much since law school. <laughs> And if you don't get, uh, you know, Lisa sends out updates, you know, to folks, um, you know, Lisa, I don't know if your list is only for your clients or other people, uh, but um, we can put Lisa's email address in the box or if, if, if you want to get in contact with her, she's really, really helpful on the fly when you have these, you know, misconceptions out there in, in the public. So, all right, uh, Steve and Olivia, who are going to talk to us about everything technology. Olivia, it's always great to see you. And Steve, I think you're on a call. So I'm going to give you guys the floor and entertain us. Here we go. Hey, yes. So I'm going to take the lead and then Steve is available if anyone has specific questions for him. Um, so jumping right into the internet security that I know that we've been waiting on. A few of you have mentioned Zoom and Meet. And so I just wanted to go in and make sure that we talk about some of those restrictions on there and make sure that they're being used in the best practices. So for Zoom, one thing to note is that they have an 18-year-old uh, limit on who can create an account. So make sure that you're not having students create those accounts because obviously they would all be minors creating them and that would go against the terms of service of the program itself. Um, so students should not be joining should only be joining meetings and not creating meetings for that. Um, and a few safety tips for Zoom with the current Zoom bombings that have been going on. Um, don't post your link in public places. You should always use the password to join the meeting feature um, and utilize the waiting room and the lock meeting options. So that way, once you get the meeting started and all of your students are in, you can lock the meeting and then that way no one else can join. So you're not having to constantly look at who's in the meeting to make sure you don't have unexpected visitors. Um, for Google Meets, um, have your Google admin um, take a look at the settings and just kind of make sure that the students are not able to make video calls. So one thing that um, we've been seeing in some of our schools specifically is that some of the students were creating their own rooms without adult supervision and they're using it as general time wasting, but that also opens them up for making bad decisions um, because they're kids and they will make bad choices sometimes. Um, so you can actually disable the video calling feature within Google admin for just the students so that only teachers can place a call and then students can just join those meetings. 
Um, and then talking a little bit about internet security. Um, on devices that you are sending home, one good practice is to make sure you're logging serial numbers of any school devices that you are sending home to the students. That way you can keep better track of what's coming back in. Um, and you should also expect some loss and some damage repairs when you're budgeting for the next school year when you're coming back. That's one important thing to note. Um, and then content filtering is a big question that we've been getting a lot. Um, PCs, Macs, and Chromebooks all have on-device filtering third parties available. So if you do some shopping around, there are some things that you can put into place for that. Um, most of those will be required to have a hands-on setup, however. So if those devices have already gone home, you have um, a lot of limitations on what you can do as the school to provide that content filtering. Um, but there are some features that parents can set up at home. OpenDNS is a free account and service that families can set up at their home network. Um, they actually have a easy few click um, setup process where they can block all adult content filtering within their household. Um, and that's a good thing that you can share with your families in those cases. Um, Chromebooks are a little easier to manage. Their GoGuardian is one um, third party that you can remotely install on all of your Chromebooks if you have a managed Chromebook system. Um, and that way you can do some of that content filtering at home for, for those students. Um, iPads are much more difficult to manage and we have done a lot of research. There's really not any way to put a third party app to do that content filtering on those. So right now, um, your options are pretty limited to using the built-in settings, um, disallowing apps to be installed, and then only enforcing uh, Safari as a browser and setting up the built-in iPad restrictions um, to limit adult content. But that also is a little bit limiting in what you can how much you can lock it down. Um, access to internet for families who do not have it. At this point, um, you should really start to shift into thinking of offline options for your families who do not have internet. Um, the install lead times for Spectrum is one to two months before they can have internet installed at a house for those um, free services they're providing. And hotspots are almost all sold out and the lead time on new devices is about six to 12 weeks. Um, so some of the offline options that you, we've been seeing um, videos and packets can be saved to USB flash drives and sent to families. So that's one option that you would have for getting that content um, or having mobile device friendly work and submittal processes. Um, and then another last thing, based off of the funds that are being distributed to all the schools, um, devices right now are like buying toilet paper. It's very, very hard to find them. Um, and there's a huge constraint on the supply chain right now. And that is for not just computers, but we're seeing it for document cameras, webcams, any sort of computer peripheral that you may use in a classroom, all of those things are already highly sold out. Um, and yes, you just put in the comment, Staples sold 28,000 Chromebooks in a single day last week. Um, so that's unheard of for device sales, sales. And so it's, it's really very difficult to find devices. So when you're planning and looking for things to spend this budget on, 
make sure that you're ready to shop around. Um, go ahead and make sure that you are ready to do a PO quickly turned around. Quotes are not holding devices. The only thing that's guaranteeing is that actual purchase order and invoicing um, being completed. If you have a school board that requires you to um, go through them for approvals, you may want to go ahead and get a pre-approval for a maximum budget number just to speed up that process a little bit um, and help with that just because the back and forth with the vendors is so fast in turnarounds and devices are just gone by the time you create the quote to the PO. Wow, huge stuff, Olivia, so much. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> I'm looking at all the chat boxes here um, about, you know, some vendors are uh, demanding payments up front. Um, there's a question, can school Google admin manipulate the setting in Zoom that would prevent students from setting up a meeting? So if you're setting up a meeting in Zoom yourself, that means you have your own account and you're going through Zoom, yeah. you're not going through a Google. So that's really on them. So maybe the best part is educating parents about that. Hey parents, here's some things to be aware of that are happening, um, you know, because of all the access. I mean, you know, I know my kids are constantly on stuff right now. So um, any thoughts around that, Olivia? And I know, you know, Katie's been kind of harping on that point how far does the educational environment stretch now, right? It used to stretch to the bus stop. Now is it right. stretching to the living rooms, right? Um, just, you know, something to think about with you. Yeah, so Google Admin does not have control over Zoom. Um, so there's really not anything that you can do in an admin perspective. Um, I know that if you reach out to Zoom and students have used their school accounts to create, a, create the Zoom account, they will help you delete the account mm. um, and get that removed. Um, but that would really be the only thing that you could do other than going to parents and making sure the parents are monitoring that. Yeah, you know, and one thing actually, this is something I learned somewhat the hard way, Olivia, is that this chat box that we're all watching here on the side, right? Um, yeah. If you download that chat box, like at the end of the Zoom recording, right, if you download it, you see every comment no matter what. It's not just your own comments. So you could monitor that at the end and note mm -hmm. the other comments that are happening too. Because um, yes. I've noticed that as, as I've, you know, dropped them into our Google Drive, I'm like, oh, all the private conversations are in here too. I don't know sure if everybody wants that out there in the public. So that's just another way to look at it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, save the chat histories, um, all of that, especially if students are involved, because you may have to go back and um, have documentation on something that happened. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Hey, Olivia, how do how do people reach out to you and Steve? Uh, make sure you drop your email addresses in there. But you know, what are some ways that they can reach out to you guys? Uh, yeah, they can email us. They can give us a call. Um, we can set up a call with people if they have specific questions. Um, we'll drop our emails. I'll drop both of our email addresses in here for everyone. And it's stevejoinerconsulting.com, right? Uh, stevejoiner.com. Yes. Stevejoiner.com. All right. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. It looks like that was really helpful to a lot of folks and a really short, you know, piece of what they can really help you think through if you're still looking at this. Katie, do you have any thoughts on that? I think you wanted to share something there. Yeah. I mean, my first thought um, has to go with the fact that, you know, we're seeing into students lives more than ever because you know you're literally seeing into their bedrooms and their living rooms through zoom and it gets me to thinking about um, student safety and you know what are schools doing to guide their teachers in being um, mandatory reporters because that doesn't end 
end, right? If you're in the teaching capacity, you're still a mandatory reporter. So I'd love to hear from any of the school leaders about, about that and, you know, what they're, you know, maybe they're seeing some good things too. It doesn't have to be negative. Hey, Katie, it's Ellie. Can you hear hey, me? Hey, Ellie. Yes. Um, we did have a situation pop up where we did need to remind our teachers that you are mandatory reporters. If you see something that concerns you that would have concerned you at school, we still need to follow our regular normal protocols for that, even while it's remote. Perfect. And then, you know, what kind of, are they supposed to follow the regular protocol that they would normally follow, or is there special mm -hmm. guidance? No, it's just the regular normal protocol to reach out and get an administrator involved and help guide them through the process of who to call if they're not aware of what to do mm -hmm. and work through that. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Ellie. Hey, Katie, you're Anybody else? Hey, Kimberly. Hey there. Um, we, we actually have had this twice during um, a Zoom call where a student has said something and it concerned the teacher. And so we have what we call a SWAT team, which is myself, the guidance counselor, and the SRO when we need her to pull her in. Um, and so the teachers are required to report to us anything that looks off or that they hear might be off so that we can check that out. Hmm. Okay, great. So you have a process as well. You've already informed your teachers to escalate like normal. Yes, immediately. If you know, just because this is a little more critical because we can't lay eyes on them all the time. Right, right. Thank you, Kimberly. And you know, they are saying that reports of domestic violence are up and you know, that goes hand in hand with child abuse and you know, not to be a negative person, but I think our job as educators is to keep kids safe first and and as much as we could monitor that and, and report it then then we're doing our job to keep them safe so that was my first thing and then I just had one other thing that I wanted to bring up today and that was you know our, all of our families are thrown into this whirlwind of kind of a chaotic time trying to figure out work and getting their kids educated and taken care of and their, maybe their parents too uh, so the school is really a source of predictability you know, you all have the opportunity to be that steady force in school, in parents' lives, in students' lives, teachers' lives. I'd love to hear from anybody, you know, what are you doing to make sure you are that predictable uh, point of reference for, for everybody during the day? So you can be that touchstone people can rely on. You know, I know I hear Tom's son in the background doing his morning meetings. And you know he gets up, he's ready to go. So what about you all? What other touchstones are you putting out there that to create that predictability? And you're talking about the routines, right, Katie? Like, what are mm -hmm. you know? How do we keep routine, and how do we help not only our students but our teachers keep you know routine? Because uh, from what I remember, educators are. Um, we love routine, right? We need to make sure everything kind of happens the same way at the same time every day. How are we making that happen in the lives of, our, of all of our stakeholders? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. It's the routines, the schedule, what they can rely on, what kind of feedback can they rely on from the teacher? Um, you know, all those, all those things that help us kind of ex anticipate what's going to happen. Does anybody have any stories to highlight on that? Steve Joyner made a good point in the chat that 
uh, to make sure and clarify to your staff how they are to escalate it, to not call the police first, but to escalate it as they would if they were in the school building. So whatever that process is for your, for your school, to go to the guidance counselor, to go to the principal, whatever it is, but to instruct them to do, to follow the school's protocol. The, um, also, if you're using the state, the app, the Sandy Hook app, that's still operational because we were, when we first started, um, this all started going down. We started, we had a, we saw a spike in those um, reports coming through. Now we haven't seen any since we've started back with actual instruction, but that was interesting there. And then Tom was talking about routines. Even though the school building's closed, we know that we have our buildings open for teachers if they want to come in. I know some people are freaked out about that, but we haven't had anybody take advantage of that because their internet may be down or their internet may, may not work. The other thing that we've done is we've reduced our office hours. We only have, we're only a lot, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, we have our main office open from nine to 12, just to accept the mail on those kind of things. And then also, um, what else are we doing? To be honest with you, my life's a little bit different because my kids are older. Uh, so I make sure I come, I'm in the office Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, no, excuse me, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, just to make sure if a teacher has a question, if they, anybody comes by, they see my car in the parking lot. That may sound crazy, but you know, again, my life is different than other people's lives. I don't have to take care of anybody at home. So, and it gives my Thank wife you. and I a break. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. In the chat, we've got uh, Erica from United Community. You know, they're still having daily stand-up, so they've got a morning meeting at 830 um, you know, teachers provide office hours after there, you know, we've got at Explorers, we've got our, you know, weekly community circle is still happening. Just, just really, you know, make it as flexible and easy as possible uh, for everybody. And um, communication is going to be the key here. Those organizations that take care of their own people first, right? Because client, client uh, satisfaction starts with employee satisfaction, period, right? So take care of your people. And really be thinking through, you know, is it my goal to be right here or to do the right thing in terms of mm -hmm. all of it? And, and, you know, knowing that, like, your employees still need to know what's my proper channel of communication. Like, who do I go to for this? So your org chart might look a little funky right now. So maybe recreate your org chart so everybody's clear. Like, hey, if I need a day off, right, or if I have to be sick or if I'm not feeling well, who do I communicate that to? What's my process? Because we don't see each other every day. And the more that you can bring your people together, you know, have a, have a barbecue on a Friday, right? Like a virtual barbecue or something to that effect, you know, have, have a morning coffee meeting, you know, a principal or a coffee with the principal or, you know, whatever it is, or do that daily meeting. The more connection you can make, you know, you know, you're going to win, win this, right? You're going to win at a high level. So we're going to finish up here. And, and so I want you to be thinking forward, right? Always be thinking forward. And we just had another state while we were on this call has, um, has shut down school for the year, okay? And if you're on the DPI call, they've already started to talk about it. So one thing you need to do, John already hit us with it, like you need to start to be thinking about this. This is now a 90-day plan, 120-day plan of not only I've got to educate to the point I've got to educate, but then I have to figure out all those things that happen typically over a summer month, right? So um, Katie and I did some work this morning. We're going to be sending it out to you, kind of like if we had an hour with you, that these are the things that we would, you know, walk you through. Um, and then there's this great resource from the Michigan 
you know, uh, Department of Education, they've got a great, it's not, it's not too bad. So I'm going to send that framework to you so you can maybe start to think about what are the things I need to log is, you know, DPI hasn't asked us for anything yet, but they might, they might all of a sudden say, hey, ba by a Monday, we need to know everybody's education plan, what you would do if XYZ happens, right? So the more that you can log, the more you can be prepared if something does happen on the back end, right? So, be, so two things that I just wanted to say is, be very specific with your communication. Who's responsible for what, right? And don't assume anything because you're gonna have to over communicate like crazy now. Be thinking forward, right? Microscopic on what kind of results you wanna see. So then you can make adjustments on the fly, but really be thinking into the future of the next you know, 120 days. Uh, you know, maybe longer because, you know, we judge ourselves on our good intentions, but we judge others on their results, right? And we're all going to be judged on our results at the end of this, no matter what, right? It's not about the intention. It's going to come down to the results. So what results would you like to see? You know, have you painted what good looks like, right? Like Steve specifically said, I heard him, he said, the decision by the State Board of Education doesn't necessarily align with our core values, right? He knows these are our core values. This is what we do. Now we'll do what they tell us to do because they're the authorizer. However, we're going to make sure we do X, Y, Z, right? Not to put words in Steve's mouth, but that's important, right? You got to have a scoreboard at the end. Like what does winning look like at the end of this? And you've got to get that down. So you got to create some thinking time, everybody. So get off these calls, unplug for a little bit and, and gather your team or Katie or, you know, these other principals here are happy to help and collaborate. We've, you know, created smaller groups to help leaders collaborate um, and really think through some of their challenges, you know, during these times. So sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And when you're standing, when you're standing in the frame, it's hard to see the picture. So you may need to bring someone else in to help you really see the picture and think through what's most important right now. And what do I need to get to 90 days from now? Because it's going to go fast. We're four weeks into this already. If you think about it, our first call was March 13th, right? It was a Saturday. I think it's right. Mm -hmm. And we said at that point, hey, we think school might be closed. Within 48 hours, it went from we think to we know, <laughs> right? It was a two week. And then the governor came back and said, no, now May 15th. Like that's how fast things are, will happen. And don't be surprised if it comes up again, right? So if you start preparing now and getting that in, in you know, place, you'll be in a better spot. So you can do your weeding in the summertime and you're not doing all your planning in the summer and really being overwhelmed. So um, I greatly appreciate uh, uh, Rhonda being on here and Sarah and uh, Steve and Olivia from, from, uh, from uh, Steve Drinker's Clothing. And we've got um, Lisa Gordon-Stella, you know, I gave us great stuff. All the school leaders who uh, contributed, I greatly appreciate that you spent, you know, 85 minutes with us uh, on a Thursday after you probably just spent 45 minutes or so with the state call. So it looks like if, if this call added value to you, tell us yes in the chat box. And also tell us like, what, who else do you want to hear from? What other type of experts would help you be thinking through this? Um, maybe what are your, you know, what are your specific needs, you know, vendor wise, and we could try to hook you up and get you aligned to somebody. I've been trying to steer people to Lisa and, and, you know, Steve's team, you know, and, and Acadia too. So, you know, they can get what they need out of this, but we're all on this fight together. Uh, we've created a common enemy, the COVID enemy, 
And uh, what's, but we're a lot stronger when we stay all together as one and really bounce ideas off. So I'm going to unmute everybody so you can, um, maybe Katie might have to unmute everybody. So we can say goodbye and uh, greatly appreciate all you and I'm um, looking forward to seeing you on the call again next week. Have a very safe Easter holiday if you celebrate. Either way, get unplugged and um, spend some real quality time with yourself and your family over the next couple of days. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.